0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
1: Hey, it's the Fortress. I'm here again for all those people who thought I had disappeared. Maybe some of you kind of were hoping I would stay disappearing. But anyway, um, yeah, I used to be an editor at I uh, used to be a competitive bodybuilder. I guess I could say now I used to
0: be a competitive powerlifter because <laughs> it's been it
1: years, <laughs> but... But I still lift the heavy stuff and and love it as much as ever.
0: Well, like you, Rob, I mean, you know, training is what's most important to me as well. I mean, it's funny if you go back, people who are longtime listeners, if you listen to the introductions, sometimes you'll hear Rob or I say, former competitive this or that. Or sometimes we'll say competitive, you know, bodybuilder or powerlifter. It depends on what we're doing that year, I guess. <laughs> but I agree. You feel like you should say former if you haven't done it for a couple years, you know. Yeah, I don't want to be a perma oh, well. perma bulker. Anyway. Oh God, perma bulker!
1: And of course, all the people who accuse people of doing that are the people who have never actually competed in bodybuilding. So, you yep. know, yep. and they spend their whole life doing nothing but trying to get leaner when they never achieve it.
0: No, that's right. I, I don't know. Or, right? Is one they, worse? Or they
1: achieve it and get extremely lean, and then of course they use it all just you know with drugs. And stuff, and then you see them when they're forty-five or fifty, and they're just big fat guys with no muscle. So, no, that's so right. anyway. Anyway, you slice it, those guys tend to always lose.
0: Well, the topic of longevity has come up. We're already on a tangent, brother, <laughs> but it to- doesn't take long with us. No, no, the topic of longevity though has cropped up repeatedly. You know, it's like. Do you want to be a flash in the pan? And I think some of these guys, you know, they peak so hard. They're so huge or so strong. They're so heavily gassed in their early 20s that, like you said, they're a they're a train wreck by the time they're in their 30s. And I'm not sure – you know what I mean? There's just different philosophies there. Some people rather burn brightly instead of fade away, but other people like the longevity. You know, like a lot of the guys who I used to lift with – um, You know, they pushed it harder than I did on several levels, and they fell apart really, really hard. As in, like, kidney failure, you know, obese messes, you know, and I don't know. I mean, one of them actually said, you know what, Lonnie, you're never going to be truly huge because you don't get stupid. I'm like, well, you know, now I'm looking back. I'm 45. I'm like, I'm still... In pretty good shape you know i'm not going to impress any of the power out there but i can do five sets of five with 250 or 275 in the bench you know and i do my five sets of five with 315 or 365 usually is all i do but you know what how much do you really need i mean what's your goal you know and my goal is not to make my uh, osteoarthritis any worse
1: <laughs> you know well yeah and you look at a lot of these guys i mean even you know i mean guys that Fairly recently, guys like King Kamali and stuff who are totally regressing in in hideous ways. And I use the word hideous. Um, I, mean, I, I think th- it comes down to, uh, again, the people who truly like the process of training and lifting. Um, and this is not certainly o- always the case. Uh, certainly not. But um, it, it just it, it just seems like, well, even going back to what I was saying there about, you know, I haven't competed in a couple of years. Um, I don't need to be validated by competition. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people might say, oh, well, he's just chicken shit. But certainly I've proven against that point because I have competed several times in both sports. And, well,
0: it's not like you competed and got your ass handed to you either. You were, weren't you best lifter in your last meet? I mean, you know, so.
1: Yeah, you just kind of. I don't know, and it's interesting what you're saying because, you know, there was that time where I told you Bob Kennedy at Muscle Mag once told me that I would never be a pro, pro bodybuilder because I was "quote unquote" too smart.
0: Yeah, it's so similar to what I heard. And I think back,
1: yeah, and it was so it, you know I think back to when he told me that and I was 20, probably 24, something like that, 25, and I think now at 44, if I had went. Batshit crazy. At that point, would I still be able to do what I'm able to do now? Right. Exactly. And not just not just poundage wise, but like you know, you've talked in the past, Lonnie, about you know having kind of lower back arthritis and that kind of thing. And I and you know what, I've kind of stepped up into that <laughs> league myself in the last several months.
0: Yeah, for me, honestly, Dude, I didn't you know, feel. I much of a problem with anything until mid forties, you know. Yeah. But like you said, compared to other dads or even some guys that are, um, you know, competing on a local level, I still have more muscle mass than they do. I'm still far stronger, you know. So at one point, I think your your goals just change a little. Like, what purpose do I have to get down to four percent body fat again? I mean, I did that just two years ago, you know. And I mean at my age i was i was getting hurt and this and that no there's nothing wrong with that guys who love to do that and they're all about it that gives them a higher purpose i'm all for it you know but for me it's all about your goal when people say follow through with your goals well that initial setting of the goal that's all important that gives you the direction do you go right do you go left you know so
1: well yeah and i mean like i said at 44 you know i'm still hungry for strength and, but I have to be realistic, and the realistic, the realism is that I'm not on anything enhancing, drug enhancements, enhancements. So, you know, why, why would I chase, you know, um, ultra leanness, you know, like you know, people, oh, perma bulker, perma bulker. It's like, but at this point, like I said, at 44, and with strength, absolute strength, still my goal. Why would I be chasing to be ultra lean? You know, so what? So I can be. 210 pounds 220 pounds you know and as a natural athlete anybody who knows what i'm talking about knows what i'm talking about your lifts are going to completely get crumbled mm-hmm. you know i mean it's it's impossible to be squatting five six hundred pounds natural mid middle age and drug free and think that you're going to be you know six percent body fat right
0: yeah and you know um, what there's been a real trend uh i think phil and i were talking about this the other week about some of these guys they're they're almost bodybuilder-esque, like they go bodybuilding uh, late career as powerlifters. And I think a lot of people need to realize that's almost certainly not a natural state of being. You know, I'm not throwing judgments in their way in in any way, shape, or form. If that's what they want to do, great, you know, but there's almost certainly some GH and different, you know, leanness-enhancing drugs involved with a lot of that stuff. You don't see middle-aged powerlifters who've walked around with, Twenty-eight percent body fat their whole lives. Suddenly they're fourteen percent because they cleaned up their diet. Well, not in middle age, brother. That doesn't happen like that. Not when you're squatting yeah. seven, eight, nine hundred pounds. You know. So, uh,
1: well, like I said, you know, in, in the last year or so, like I said, I've kind of joined the ranks of having. I I I can only assume it's probably some some degree of lower back arthritis or scar tissue or <laughs> I, I don't know, know right, really right. Well. <laughs> but the point is, it's always worse than the. Mo- it's always baddest in the morning. And, you know, usually within an hour or two, it just loosens up and so it goes away completely. So, or flares up here and there. But you know what? The point of the matter is, it doesn't affect my training at all. Yeah, it doesn't at stop all. you at all. At or, all.
0: Right. I mean, you just warm up a little do, bit, you know.
1: I mean, putting 500 pounds in the bar on the squat doesn't do shit to make my lower back feel worse. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't feel pain or anything. So, going back to what I was saying there, like, five, ten minutes ago, if I had gone that route you know and really pushed it hard at that point where i was you know mid-20s early 20s whatever at 44 you know knowing what i know now as far as you know the, the realities of what i'm feeling would i be feeling that that much more which well, you i'm would, guessing yeah which you would Right. Which you would imagine, of course, that you probably, I probably would, right? Because mm-hmm. it makes sense that if you're, you know, gas your eyeballs for you know 10, 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden, you know, so instead of having squatted all these years, you know, four, four or five, five hundred, six hundred pounds, whatever, you know, maybe, you know, for some, maybe I was squatting, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hundred pounds. Exactly right. Would I be able to squat at all now? You know what I mean, or would I be essentially? Fucked. Excuse my
0: French. Well, the story like about the like... guy, I don't know, he's down at one of the Columbus gyms, and he's literally, like, he's popping Vicodin all day just to deal with the chronic pain, you know, and they wheel him up. I think literally wheeled him up to the squat rack, and you know, he squats, like, eight 800 pounds, and then he goes back to being essentially crippled. You know, and I don't know the whole story, but that's what I got out of it, and I think whether that's accurate or not, that's the worst-case scenario that you can't let go. You know, you've been doing this for so long. You know, and that kind of thing. But like you said, well, you, yeah, you're still positive. You still love strength. I still love muscle mass. There's, you know, you just have um, your goals change from year to year. And they don't always just go down. They just change, you know. My goals don't haven't really
1: changed. They're just I'm, I'm more mindful of things. And for all you guys who are listening who are teens, 20s, even early 30s, it's amazing when I, I look back you know being as mindful as now i have become about preparation and all the and lim- you know and, and all these types of things you know and kind of just taking my time with warm ups and stuff it's amazing to me the kinds of and we've talked about this so many times and it, so many guys have talked about this but it really bears repeating over and over again it's amazing the kind of crap that i did to myself at 22 you know with no mind whatsoever to preparation or giving you a crap or anything like that you know and then all of a sudden you're like you know you wake up at 44 and you're stiff and you got these little twists and turns and stuff and you're like jesus like this kind of stuff you know and that's why i tell people like my lifting is as good as is ever been i haven't lost a step as far as my strength and my performance but there's no question that i'm stiffer you know there's no question that i need a little bit more preparation yeah There's no question that when I wake up some mornings, you know, my my back feels twisted and tight and turned and, you know, I need to kind of, you know, roll around on the floor for five minutes and (laughs) just kind of, you know, ease into it a little bit. There's no question. Right. And, you know, even beyond what I was saying, you know, about, you know, would I still be able to even squat? I mean, just even physique-wise, yeah, I never looked like, you know, King Kamali when he was actually – you know, a pretty decent pro. I never looked like that. But you know what? I don't look like the gargoyle he is now. (laughs) You know what I mean? And 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 again, like, I mean, still, I mean, you know, he's still, quote-unquote, bigger than me. But anybody who knows what they're looking at can see that the guy is grotesque. I mean, he's got, like, tears and palumboism flying all over the place you know what i mean and it's just like
0: well we've talked about this too but think about the old school pros if you talk about even arnold zane uh, all that kind of group the dave drapers of the world and bill pearl and those guys aged quite well actually i know there's pictures of arnold floating around when he was you know obviously off of everything and not looking very hot but the point being is now got nowadays it's not like that because those guys you know they would flirt they'd compete in the low twos you know uh they'd be lean but not like you know emaciated drawn uh necessarily and then um they got away with it i guess is what i'm saying as opposed to the extreme you know flash in the pan and it's not just the side effects of the drugs i'm talking about when i say drugs it's like what so you alluded to this too it's what they enable you to do they enabled you to decimate yourself you know and You're not um, – that might take a toll, a chronic toll over time. So now you see a lot of these guys, by the time they're done competing, like you said, they're gargoyles. You know, they're – or they're – frankly, they're dead. By the way, um, we need to get into the news here. What about the news? We never did talk about Mike Matarazzo. Strength and Muscle Sport News.
1: Now, it's something that – I mean, it's a quick segue, but we need to get into it because – I'm sure many of our listeners know the name Mike Matarazzo. Um He was one of the more colorful and popular IFBB, IFBB professional
0: bodybuilders of the oh, I don't know, like early '90s. Early '90s. I got a picture of '92 kind of, with, with him, and uh, he was one of those first guys that got up over 270 in more or less in shape. You know, yeah. just huge. He was. He was
1: known mostly for his biceps, his front double biceps, and his, his calves were crazy. In fact, there's a funny story that I, I, I remember him and Chris Cormier apparently got almost got into a fight preparing for the, I don't know, the USA or something like that. Uh, I, I guess this was before they were, just, they, they were still trying to qualify as pros. And, and apparently cormier you know they were kind of going at each other and it almost came to blows but apparently one of the things cormier shouted at him is you're nothing between the arm armpits and the knees <laughs> so, you know alluding to the fact that he was really known for his calves and his biceps having mm-hmm. said that i mean you know that's um you know he had a long torso and relatively short legs um so that kind of threw off things a bit so we had a long back and that kind of thing but and people obviously you know um Put him down a lot for his back. I still remember, Rob,
0: that old show, American Muscle, and there was a camera. It must have been somebody up on, like, a balcony or something pointing down at him. That
1: clip is on YouTube, by the way. Is it? It, The one that you're about to mention is on YouTube. So All he does
0: is look up and go, boom, and do a most muscular, and I was just like, whoa. (laughs) He was massive. well,
1: Well, he also benefited from being naturally wide, and he had a small head. Mm-hmm. And these are, these are things that, again, people who are more veteran of the scene can kind of allude to how, how they can, you know, it, because people say bodybuilding is illusion and in a lot of ways it can be right. So here's a guy that, you know, had, was very wide had a small head, you know, big, big bulbous arms and calves. And so he, and, and he was very large for the time. He was one of the largest. Um, so he really did take on the, that kind of cartoonish look. That to X him.
0: frame, you know, with the big calves, big biceps. The, yeah, f- he, that illusion of an X, and like you said, when your head's tiny, it makes your your shoulders look even wider.
1: Yeah, yeah. and he, uh, you know, he would do his big, uh, you know, crowd pleasing double bicep and stick out his tongue, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. anyway, we're kind of getting. I actually met him once, Lonnie, and I remember because somebody asked me on a board um, had if I had met him. And I said, no, I had actually never met Mike Matarazzo. But that's actually not true. You and I both were at there at the same time when I actually had my only communication with the guy. We were at a place in Pennsylvania at some competition. And you and I were sitting at the very back in two fold-out chairs that they just had behind some table. Nobody was there. And we were just sitting, minding our own business. And Mike Matarazzo walked over and said, hey, that's my chair. <laughs> and, took <the clears throat> and took my chair from me. So that was that was the only you know, <laughs> time I've ever had anything to do now, with the guy. let's fast but, forward
0: though. What and I had heard and I think we even spoke about this uh before his death that he had some serious heart problems and he oh, I know there was all those rumors flying about how the the weeders or somebody had pushed him to use straw for just cycle after cycle year after year and listeners if you don't realize that's one of the drugs that drives your hdl right your good cholesterol down into single digits you know i mean you're considered at risk when you're in the 30s or 40s even um and he was in single digits because of, of what it was doing and uh i don't know there, he, to, some kind of heart be. procedure that was that went bad or you're, you remember all well that. not well not to mention the fact that he by his own admission
1: and all these you know years now that he's been had well he's now passed on unfortunately but um since his heart conditions began he was the first one that would jump up and say you know he was eating i don't know what he said two or three pounds of red meat a day for years yeah you know and and plus he had he had a history of heart disease in his family with men plus as lonnie's saying you know and by his own admission i mean something he wrote just not too long ago was talking about you know and he actually said um the hideous things that he would do to his body, you know, um, in you know, in the hotel room, leading up to a bodybuilding competition. You know, you can only imagine the things he's talking about. You know, insulin, insulin injections or synd- whatever he's talking about. You know, diuretics and exactly dehydration. Thyroid. right, So many things. things. Thyroids, yeah. And he actually said, and this kind of you know alludes to what we were talking about like twenty minutes ago. The whole, you know, he he actually said, you know, I wished I had never. Discovered bodybuilding. That's hard. And you feel really bad for him. You feel really bad hearing somebody say something like that because, from everything I've ever known about Mike he's one. Of, he's one of these guys who actually really do it, did enjoy the process, as we're talking about of mm-hmm. actually lifting weights. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you can kind of see through what he's saying. I don't think it's so accurate to say he wishes and he never found bodybuilding. It's I think he what he means is he meant was. I wish I had never found it and took it in that direction.
0: No. Right. Cause you know, how different is that from someone like Bill Pearl who bodybuilding changed his life in such a positive way? You know, it's again, it's yeah. the difference between pushing it hard. I mean, obviously we're talking guys like Zane and Bill Pearl, they were at the top of the world, you know? Uh, but compared to the, yeah, the bodybuilders that probably starting in like the nineties, you know, and going through the two thousands and beyond uh, the whole process was just different. You know, yeah. as far as, like you said, all the extreme things, you know, that they would do themselves. And you hear about stuff like kidney failure, um, you know, like even when they're young men, you know, just a couple of years after they competed. I mean, that maybe I'll put that picture online of me and Matarazzo. It's funny. I've got hair, you know, and he, he looks great. You know, I mean, it's amazing. You go from top of the world, splashed on the cover of magazines and how quickly – Yeah, if it does go bad, and it doesn't have to, you know, to that extent, but when things go bad, you push so far, um, you get sort of chewed up and spit out. You know, you start to realize the guys who are running the sport of bodybuilding are not the competitors. You know, they're the racehorses on display, but if they get used up, you know, not all of them have longevity, and nobody cares. And, you know, I
1: remember reading about, like, you know, this is now going back probably eight, nine years ago, but I remember reading, you know, like you were talking about his – you know, that I, I remember reading, you know, that Mike had been having real issues, heart issues and surgeries and this because of, you know, blocked arteries and all this kind of stuff. And again, I don't know if the details kind of are right. vague now in my mind, my memory, but all that type of thing and him talking about, you know, years and years of, you know, pounds of red meat a day, um, every day and, you know, all the drugs he had used and blah, and the heart disease and you know, the guy was only, what was he, 48 or something? I mean, just a young man, really, I mean, in relative terms, you know, certainly, some, right, you know, yeah. and, and I, it, it makes me feel real bad. And it kind of also so it points to that whole thing that people are always talking about, about is it only going to be the, the 90s guys that are going to kind of be this way or is it going to be these guys too? Because, you know, a lot of those guys, and it, a lot of people have spoken, sp- talked about it, and it's true, a lot of those 90s guys, I mean, It was such a competitive time, and so many of those guys have really ran into trouble, if not death, in these days. I mean, you look at even some of his, Mike Matarazzo's closest competitive peers, Paul DeMeo.
0: Dead, right, unfortunately. Dead, yeah, dead.
1: Guys like Flex Wheeler. You know, health concerns, right. all sorts. All of the rumors about the concern. kidney
0: problems, and you know, let me make a disclaimer too. If anybody's like, that's not exactly what happened. It's like, listen, we're trying to go on memory, and a lot of this stuff is hearsay. You know what I mean? And so we're not yeah, bad mouthing any of these guys, but
1: yeah, but there's no doubt these guys have had problems. I mean, look at uh, you know Jean-Pierre Fuchs, like blew his knees right to shit, you know, in that f- infamous flex photo shoot, right? I mean, so oh, or, many or, or, uh, What about are, are uh, what was his name? Um,
0: ben Aziza. You know, with the diuretics until his blood was like toothpaste. You know, um. Andreas Moonzer mm-hmm. did. I mean, you know, and a lot of these guys have health
1: problems. They're dead, or they had mood problems that resulted. Craig Titus is in jail for freaking homicide. It seems like such a troubled era, which is sad for me, and I'm, as I'm sure it is for you too, Lonnie, because this is an era that was, you know, arguably in the glory years of you know of, of me being into this. You know, the competitive bodybuilding side and stuff, you know, the nineties and all that type of thing. And so many of these guys have just, you know, Chris Cormier. I mean, I don't know if anybody's seen him lately, any pictures of the guy, but I mean, the guy literally looks like he's never touched a weight in his life.
0: Oh, I didn't I mean, he know. Looks
1: kind, oh. He looks like, he looks like kind of like a, a small guy, average guy. You'd just see walking down the street. Nobody'd ever believe he was ever, ever a weight trainer. Right. Top bodybuilder in the world.
0: Yeah. One I mean,
1: of them. <laughs> Yeah. You know, who knows what the reality is with these guys? You know, did he just choose to just kind of give it up? Look, look, Paul DeLette.
0: Well, and before anybody says, you know what, Rob, before anybody says, oh, you guys are just reminiscing about the 90s. It's like, well, that's because that's the first time that we've lived long enough to see that new technological era pan out. That's not to say it's not going to happen with the current crop, too. You know, we're just not there yet. That's going to be in the 2020s,
1: you know. And that's why I even said five minutes ago that, you know, maybe it's not just, you know, isolated isolated to that decade because like you say we haven't lived long enough to see kind of what's going to transpire with these guys today and you know, I'm not trying to cast a dark shadow because the, the truth of the matter is I feel bad about this because a lot of these personalities I really enjoyed lo- absolutely. looking at I, absolutely I, I drew inspiration from you know like Mike Matarazzo included you know uh, Paul DeMeo I mean here's a guy that he I was one of my favorites had, Paul DeMeo yep you know I, I had dinner with the guy I went to a club with him in Toronto I hung out with the guy for a weekend I mean, you know, he was a he was a pleasant guy. You know, that's why it's harder for me to kind of reconcile with the fact that this guy died. You know, and again, details for me, I'm not even going to profess that I have the details, but I, I think he shot himself or something. Um, and that's upsetting to me, you know. And it's so again, whether it's indirectly or directly involved with it, it, it kind of makes you think, Jesus, again, I mean, who? Who's really the one that's coming out on the right side of it? The guys, like you say, who burn really bright for a short period of time, but then suffer all sorts of horrific health or mental issues? You know, or, I mean, because certainly you can look at like a guy like King Kamali, and like, what's, what's his deal? You well, know some I mean? the of these guys, guys still...
0: they can't let go. If they don't let go, and they continue with the, you know, sort of quasi-competitive drug regimes and training, you know, they, like you said, they sort of get that palumboism that gargoyle ish the bag of veins there's so it it goes bad you know in a variety of ways you know what i mean so i'm not saying you necessarily now some people break the mold look at gary strutum i mean he still looks fantastic you know what he's
1: a great person to bring up
0: because yeah what the deal what's the deal with that
1: i mean here's a guy either he's got the constitution of a horse you know um or he just never did certain things that, that you know his peers, I mean, and now he was he was a little earlier. I mean, he was more the late eighties, but but yeah, a lot of those guys. Look at Lee Haney. Lee Haney is fine. I mean, again, I don't I don't know the guy's health profile yeah. or Lee Labrada. Yeah. He looks fantastic. He looks fantastic. You know, I had d- dinner with Lee Labrada, I, um, Lee Haney there several years ago, and the guy was like we, we were walking all over Toronto, and I mean, the guy was. I mean, yeah, it doesn't look like he did in 1986. Oh, of course, yeah. But the guy looked fine, he, and he acted fine. He was walking everywhere, and, you know, he was in good frame of mind. He's still married to the same woman. You and, know, you know, that's
0: the, that's the it, real challenge, I think. They roll into some new purpose, I think, because, yeah, the hanging on uh, does not work out well. I mean, a lot of people lamented, like when Lee Labrada stepped down, and he was one of my favorites, too. But he, he left when he was on top. He had the good sense to you know change gears, you know, and I have at least a hint of what that feels like because I don't walk around as big as I once did, you know, and I don't have the time to do everything that is required to to do that, and so I even had to get used to being a little bit smaller, you know people having no idea you know, how big I once was or or lean or whatever. Not like I was ever one of these pros, but like I said, a little taste of, you know, having to switch gears a little bit. And I have changed my goals a little bit because although it's still muscle mass or leanness, it's not, um, I cannot, I do not have the time necessarily to make that my main priority you know what i mean now some people say we well, make you time and i could if that was my main thing maybe that's what i would do but i've got other things i've got my research and you know teaching and there's all these other things that are very important to me but anyway the point being is i did get that little taste of um i don't want to say loss but you know retooling to keep that positive mental outlook you know yeah. so anyway
1: and then, then there's the guys from those that, that kind of era that you never hear from him again, because like I say like a guy like Porter Cottrell, you know, this guy was a profi- he was a firefighter. Yeah. And he had, oh. Even when he was competing, he was working as a firefighter. He was actually one of the guys that was actually working, I think, on Ben Aziza the night that he actually died. Oh, um, mm-hmm. I, bu- I believe. Um, in fact, yes, he was, because I remember he was doing something and he had another pro bodybuilder doing mouth to mouth on him. And he was th- and, and Ben Aziza was throwing up. And he was, of course, the guy who was getting kind of, you know, nauseated because this was happening. Right. And Cottrell apparently yelled at him, do it again. And if he throws up in your mouth, spit it out and do it again. You know, I mean. Right. And I I always, I liked that guy. Not just because of that, but for instance. But again, the guy did so well. He was such a bright light on the pro scene. And it kind of um, vanished. Yeah. And then he just vanished. And you think, well. No, I haven't heard anything tragic about the guy, so I'm assuming, and I hope I'm correct, because by all accounts, he was the very typified Southern gentleman. Apparently, he was a very, very polite, well-spoken gentleman. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully, he's doing fine you know hopefully he's out there doing fine still working as a firefighter or whatever but we I need mean, to have a clear, where are
0: they now you know how they do where are they now with the famous people it'd be interesting to do that with the bodybuilders you know
1: yeah there's so many of them you know there's so many of them and then, i mean but again did, did the guy just wake up one day and think i'm not prepared to to do more or at least to keep doing what i'm doing cuz he just left he just disappeared and there's a part of that that's very honor that's very admirable
0: you know, well, that's change. what I'm saying. You have the mental fortitude to change gears, you know, and do something else. Well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I, I, I would like to
1: think that, like I say, the guy is still relatively healthy. I would like to still think that he still goes to the gym regularly right. and still right. enjoys, you know, toiling with the weights. Training. I would like to think that, you know, and I would like to think that of all these guys, but like we're saying, it's so at that level, it it, it becomes like, and so you start thinking to yourself, well. If you truly, this is what I'm saying. If you truly do love lifting, and is it better to be that guy, you know, and and have a more more probability that you're going to wind up decrepit or massive health problems or psychological issues or something, or is it better to be, you know, to get very impressive, but you know, but never be a freak. You know, and and be able to do it. You know, in your thirties and 40s I hate to and put 50s, it in drug terms, 60s. but
0: you know, Rob, it's almost like the difference of somebody dabbling with, you know, an ampule of Sustanon or doing two hundred and fifty or five hundred milligrams a week or something, as opposed to the three grams as your base stack plus insulin and igf F one and GH and 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 you know what I mean, and it's, and they never come off. Yeah, and
1: they never even come off. It's and you know, I go into the gym now and I see guys all the time. I mean, who are two three gram in it and these are guys who are like 21 years old and they have no aspirations of doing anything
0: and my gym is full of these guys right well there's a lot of personalities in the field rob they get a lot of attention and a fair amount of fame you know and i'm not sure they were necessarily the best in the world at what they do you know they're just sort of personalities that can squat 900 pounds and um yeah, I mean, it, I don't think after a while it even occurs to them if that you pull the drugs out from under that people wouldn't even take advice. A lot of young men look up to them because they can squat nine hundred pounds, and you know what? They probably learned a few things along the way, but not all of them. You know, so anyway, well, I'd, let's let's switch gears yeah, a little bit. And,
1: and You know what? I would, yeah, let's switch gears. Yeah, <laughs> but again, just just to clarify, because I know some people think I'm, I'm a you know Debbie Downer. I'm not being down on anything. I'm actually quite the opposite, to be honest with you. If you're actually listening, read between the words of what I'm saying, I'm actually speaking the opposite. I'm talking about how much the sport means to me, the endeavor means to me, and how much a lot of these personalities have meant to me, and how I don't like to see it happen. Because, you know, like when we're talking about some of these guys, that like I, like I said, like I was saying 10 minutes ago, these guys really inspired and, uh... You know, and I, and I, I would like to think, I would like to think that you know these guys one day are much smaller, uh, much softer, but they still are out there training, busting their hump in the gym, having a good time and enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want to imagine. I don't want to imagine liver failure and kidney dialysis and <laughs> right, you know, yeah, and it, people blowing their heads off and people like tra- you know try still gassing their balls off. at 50 years old and having all sorts of problems and looking worse and worse and i don't like that it, it, it rubs me really the wrong way well because we like love the see-
0: sport you know you love whether it's powerlifting or bodybuilding you love the training enough you know there's an old phrase that says the passions of youth become the regrets of maturity and maybe we were just lucky on some level too in that we we didn't either have i don't know the right access or social circles or whatever it was. We weren't exposed at that critically dangerous time. You know what I mean? And we, we lucked out into being a little less um, extreme, you know, with the I physical mean, Lonnie, abuse. if I started, I, I'm 280 pounds now
1: at 44, you know, and I'm not a fat, limp either i mean you know and a lot of people's opinion i'm a perma ball her but i'm not a fat fuck (laughs) excuse my french my point being is if i at 24 25 started gassing it really hard i am sure i would have gone well well over 300 pounds you know
0: it's fun to speculate, and, I guess. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, I, no, but... no,
1: I'm not. I'm actually not saying it in some sort of like, oh, you know, like you know, okay, Fortney thinks he would have been right. No, days. I know, I hear you. I, I'm not saying it in that in that kind of color. What I'm saying is, where would I be now? Would I still be 340 pounds, 360 pounds, right? Or would I be 44 years old and now 210 pounds and having gone through three bypasses? Hey, watch it now. I weigh 210. Well, no, that's fine, but you get, I'm just using I the, the bridge, right? Because I'm 280 pounds no, now. I know, I'm I just saying, you. like, where would I have been? You know what I mean? And, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure I would have been a goddamn freak if I had done that then at 33, 34. Right. I probably would have been a, 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 ridiculous.
0: Well, the bottom line is a lot of endocrine systems or even musculoskeletal things don't bounce back perfectly. You know, once you completely um, shut down your thyroid, you're really rolling the dice how well that's going to come back or your NADS after that many back-to-back cycles, you know, or, you know, the osteoarthritis and the joint, you know, damage and the scar tissue and the bone spurs and, and you know. So, you know, it's almost like uh, what the, there's another old phrase, the more you live, the faster you will die. And I think uh, there's almost something to that if you take my meaning. So, Yeah, so I guess our, our
1: advice for this end of this segment is basically, if you truly are one of those people who – really does enjoy the process, you know, enjoy it to the point that you'll be doing this for the rest of your life. You know, if you're going to kind of go the drug route or something, you take, know, take some time
0: know, off, <laughs> no, you, you know, for take time sake. off,
1: moderate dosages of, of just, you know, you know, tried and true anabolics, you know what I mean? And don't, you know, like, don't, don't push things like crazy, um, you know, I, and always remember that you're into it for the weight training. You know, because so many guys they forget that, and it, it becomes all about the drugs and my cycles and who am I going to get it from and how much am I doing and. What's and that's the always right behind the do. scenes
0: too. That's not what the young men see. The young men who are t- eagerly taking the advice from these guys, the powerlifters and the bodybuilders. Not just the bodybuilders. Um, all they see is the 290 pound dude squatting eight or nine hundred pounds, you know, or with 29 inch wheels with no body fat. So what you're talking about, all this focus, like when the essence of it becomes, you know, essentially the drugs, um, that's always behind the scenes, you know, I mean, and that's what the, today, pe- the audiences don't see that. So even today, the the focus with
1: all these guys at the top, you know, their focus is, you know, how much insulin they're going to take right before they train and how much insulin they're going to take after they train, how they're going. It's like, what happened to this is training themselves. You know, what can I do to maximize my pump and get this artificial right. bloat going in the gym? You know, with what drugs and what combinations and how much? It's like as opposed to just helping you recover from a ball busting weight session, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like come on, man. Like I mean, you lose focus of what it is why you're doing it in the first place, you know? And and that becomes the whole thing. I used to always use the um use the in, Years ago, I used to always say the difference because I've been on both sides. I've I've had dinner at a table with professional bodybuilders, and I've had dinner at a table of very high-quality powerlifters. And the difference that I have seen time and time again is generally speaking, the bodybuilders do nothing but sit around and talk about cycles and what they're doing and, and you know and they're cutting drugs and stuff we're powerlifters and again i'm i'm kind of generalizing here but are more about what they're training how do you do this how do yeah, you yeah but you can't that? go too you...
0: far with that though because the bottom line is like i said there's a lot of people who get a lot of attention in powerlifting and they're gassed heavy they just they're oh, not no, there's no, not no, the I'm complexity not guys aren't, it's just I'm not, not the kind he's... of c- cutting cycles and all that stuff that no, you No and I, you know. and i'm not getting into the fact
1: that of course the, the drugs are rampant powerlifting of course it is i'm just saying the idea that even though you want to ideally try and st- even if you are a dabbler or even if you are a whole hog going nuts for it, you know, you can't lose sight of why you're doing it and what you're, you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, that's the good bottom line is you got to eat and you got to sleep and you got to train. And everything around that, no matter how you, you know, you personally decide to push it, that is the core of what you're doing. And if it ever that doesn't become the core, you've lost sight, and you might want to re <laughs> rethink what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. All
0: right, I'll tell you what, Rob. Let's go to break because if we don't take it now, we're not going to get one. When we come back, uh, I'm going to continue. I've got one little dab of science news, and then I want to touch on this um, weight gainer investigation that I've been uh, mentioning on Twitter. Uh, and then, if we have some time, we'll do a little bit of Jim talk too. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now... Because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for 69 U.S. dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks.
1: All right, we're back. It's Lonnie and myself, Rob, and we are well discussing little bits of a lot of different things. And
0: now we have a new uh, new angle to go. Yeah. What have we got Lonnie. Uh, well, if if we call this like uh, news and reviews, I guess we'll say for this episode. Uh, also in the news, I've been. I was going to put this off, but it sort of segues into a second bit of news, so I can't resist. Um, I came across a study. That uh, lifters might find interesting if you're trying to control your body weight or you're trying to uh, cut down for a meat or whatever you're doing. um, This is from Diabetologia 2014. It's uh, Kaliova and colleagues. I think they're a Czech group, uh, Czech Republic. Eating two larger meals a day, that is breakfast and lunch, is more effective than six smaller meals. When on a reduced energy regimen, uh, it says with patients with type 2 diabetes. So I understand these are for diabetic persons, and but generally, you know, they have carb issues, carb metabolism, right? They are overweight, type 2 diabetics, not all, but most. Um, and what really struck me with this one, again, I always take that sort of bodybuilder or a physique athlete angle on this, but eating two larger meals was more effective than six smaller meals on several um, things that they measured. And that six smaller meals, that makes me think like a bodybuilder approach. You know, most, most lifters uh, are doing that four to six meal a day thing. So here it says um, the aim of the study was to compare the effect of six versus two meals a day. Again, the two meals being breakfast and lunch on body weight, liver fat, insulin resistance, and um, pancreas function basically. Mm -hmm. It says randomized crossover study. So crossover studies are very powerful because what they do is they take the six meal a day guys and they get their results. Uh, And then when they're done, they take a little washout period and then they have them do the two meal a day. You know, so and then everybody who started with two, they get the results. They take some time off. Then they have them try six. So that's the crossover effect. So everybody tries both diets and it's just sort of a very tight way to do research. It's very good. Um, anyway, 12 weeks was the duration that they had them either do the two meals or the six. Uh, they had the same macronutrient and energy content. So the same protein, carb, fat ratio, the same calorie amount, all they're manipulating is two meals versus six. Um, and I'll just sort of cut to the end cause we're uh, low on time, but body weight uh, decreased for both regimens, you know, um, but more for the two. Two meal away, uh, two meal per day group, um, and then some of these other things improved more too. Uh, fasting plasma glucose, uh, you know, w- improved for both, um, but several things improved better for the uh, two meal a day people. Uh, and I've actually noticed this too. Maybe it also rung true with me because uh, because of my work schedule, I've been having big meals of protein and fat. I've actually been throwing in more fat, and this is also because of some things that I was learning over the summer at some conferences. But I really find that if I eat truly like a bucket of eggs, like cheddar cheesy eggs in the morning, I'm not hungry until lunch. You know, whereas if I do my usual um, stuff like low fat oats and berries with some protein in it, I'm hungry by 10 o'clock, you know. So there really could be something to this. It says conclusions. These results suggest that for type two diabetic patients. Now, again, these people have diabetes. On a low-cal diet, eating large breakfast and lunches may be more beneficial than six meals per day. So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I've I've been kind of hearing things about that myself lately. About the, I mean, yeah, these 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 thought processes and trends, whatever you want to call them, kind of always come full circle and things bounce back and forth. They do. Yeah, they
0: sure do. Here's one. Who knows? Who knows? Right. Here's one for – this was something that was sent to you, Rob. This is from Eddie. He said he's enjoyed uh, the show, learned a ton from you guys. Um, I wasn't sure uh, if I could still email – here we go. My question is this. I read an article by Danny Shugart on T Nation. I believe you guys have had her on the show, so I consider her a reputable source. That is Iron Radio approved. Uh, In her article, Seven Things to Steal from Competitors, and then he even provides the link, uh, she makes a claim – Uh, that I was curious about. She says, quote, focus on building muscle and fat loss will become easier and inadvertently happen. And then he, he queries, is this a true statement in your experience? If I focus on eating relatively clean and building muscle, will fat loss inadvertently happen? That confuses me because you can't build fat and burn muscle at the same time very easily. So, uh, that left me scratching my head. Uh, I have seen that the more I build muscle, the leaner I do look, Uh, but it's simply because my muscles are bigger and my fat's uh, having a hard time hiding all that muscle now. Um, I'm not very big, 5'9", 175, so whether or not that has something to do with it. Again, thanks. I've learned a lot from you guys. Continue to be encouraged by you on a weekly basis. So thank you, Eddie, for that. And Rob, I know you had a response for Eddie.
1: Well, actually, I did, and I have sent that email to him um, to kind of um, focus on the points I said to him. Yes, absolutely, I think it's absolutely true. Um, what I said to him is, unless you're focusing on competing in bodybuilding and you're trying to do a run up into a, a, a show or not, um, or you're or you're starting from an extremely, you know, fat point yes mm-hmm. um outside of those two things yeah i think i think the average person of average body fat should pretty much focus on you know just uh, building muscle training building muscle yeah and i think um you know uh, fat loss will in a way kind of take care of itself on
0: some level I mean, again, you're I'm right not
1: ta- i'm not talking about people who are trying to get extremely lean obviously But
0: yeah, you will see some fat loss with simultaneous muscle gain in rank beginners, because like you said, Rob, you know, whether they have a lot of body fat or they just have so little muscle, whatever it is, um, they're truly at square one and you can actually get the appearance. It's not like their fat's turning into muscle. Of course, that's a terrible myth, but they're losing fat mass while they're gaining some lean mass because their body's they are working out for the first time. You know, they haven't burned calories before. Now they are. And fat's one of our primary fuels. And, you know, that resistance exercise is going to kick up protein synthesis and build some muscle. So I agree. There's also um, – there's some truth to that. Uh, actually, here's a related article too. Uh, and you're right. It, too much. So much of that depends on where you're starting and what's your goal. How far have you advanced – uh, and that kind of thing. You're right. There's not a bodybuilder in the world who's going to continue to keep losing fat once he's intermediate or she's intermediate or beyond and get down to like 4% fat or, you know, 8% fat or, for a woman or whatever, you know. So, um, but this one, this leads to a similar um, study that I also came across. Uh, long there has been uh, speculation and even teaching that the more body fat you have, the more likely you are to burn fat, you know, we could put you on a a treadmill and hook you up to a metabolic cart in the lab and we can watch you burn more fat because I was always told this was the mass action effect. Uh, And it's, it's been a description of why women tend to burn more fat on the treadmill than men. And you can verify this. You can put women on a treadmill and they tend to be burning their, you know, the carb versus fat fuel mix is pretty heavy on the fat actually. And that begs lots of questions. why aren't women leaner? And, you know, all these sorts of things come out and need to be addressed. But so the new study, um, this is uh, August, 2014, I believe it says body fat has no effect on maximal fat oxidation rate. So maximal fat burning rate in young, normal and overweight women uh the purpose of the study was to examine how fat mass affects uh maximal fat oxidation rates maximal fat burning in women they took 14 active healthy women with different body comp uh ranging from 18.6% fat to 30% fat they they split them into two groups you know basically the leaner group and the higher fat group and then they just put on a treadmill and they looked and see how much fat you know in their fuel mix did they burn um And it says there were no significant differences in maximal fat burning between the groups. So again, you would expect from that old school idea of mass action that the fatter ones would burn more fat because they simply have more. Um, It says maximal fat burning occurred at an exercise intensity of uh, 56 uh, plus or minus 11%. And I've been saying that for years, right? If you want to like a uh, walk uphill on a treadmill in that traditional bodybuilder manner, when you're fasted or do like the very light walk jog, um, you tend to burn more of your fuel mixes fat at that moderate intensity. When you sprint, you burn carbs during the bout. Now sprinting causes other changes that can lead to leanness. But as far as directly burning fat at the time of exercise, you know, it's that 55%. There's lots of studies that suggest this. Um, So they say the maximal fat burning rate was not significantly correlated with uh, how much fat mass or muscle mass they have or their percent fat. So uh, it's the intensity of the exercise, that moderate intensity, and it's not uh, whether they have more muscle mass or more fat mass that affects it. So – that's interesting because I think one of the things that you have to be careful is how you interpret this. This even calls into question a little bit maybe of what Danny said, which was if you if you just build a lot of muscle, then you'll burn a bunch of fat. Well, at least during the bout itself, it doesn't really have any impact. You, you're not really a better fat burning machine because, you know, you have more fat mass or because you have more muscle mass. Now, Aerobic athletes become fat-burning machines because they have all those little mitochondrial furnaces, you know, kicking in in their muscles, you know, their endurance type 1 muscle fibers. But this study by Blaze and colleagues in the um, Journal of Strength Conditioning Research uh, suggests that your body composition, how much fat or muscle you have during the exercise itself, wasn't significantly correlated with how much fat you burned. So that's very interesting. Now, I will say this by adding muscle tissue uh if you look online the internet is full of crap um as far as how you know uh, well no i guess that's obvious but as far as how much extra uh calories you burn every day by adding muscle but if you look at real data from like the likes of like uh, robert wolf's lab some of these very famous labs it's somewhere around a half a dozen to a dozen extra calories a day per pound of muscle that you add so that study I just read, we'd have to keep that in contact. That was just during exercise. There didn't seem to be any more fat burning. But it does make sense, right? I've used the muscle car analogy before. Like if you've got a 1968 Camaro and you're sitting there at a stoplight, you're guzzling gas, right? You're burning through energy just sitting there as opposed to if you were sitting there in a Geo Metro or something, you know, just puttering there, sitting there. So I, I remember it helps. You it just all. doesn't help as much as a lot of the trainers on the internet tell you. I remember you once saying also when you train with weights, you
1: develop more structure and certainly just the shape of your body becomes better and more aesthetic. So you could conceivably be carrying the same amount of body fat, but look a hell of a lot better. Like like he says in his letter, you just just look better. Your body shape is better because your muscle is contouring and molding your body into a more – Muscular,
0: athletic, aesthetic, you know, um, yep. shade. And I would so, think that's an ideal, even a lot of power lifters can appreciate, even if they're not bodybuilders, you know, they don't want to look like a beanbag chair and be strong if they can look like they've got some shoulders and some meat on their traps, you know, and be strong. So, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the fat loss one. and Now, uh, before we, we run out of time, um, I wanted to touch on this uh, weight gainer thing iron radio
1: review
0: this unfolded over the last week and i just want people to be aware of it uh, if anybody follows me on twitter it's lonman7 on twitter and i'm not pushing that i'm just saying i was questioning an eas protein powder recently where they were cutting in carbs uh and calling it hundred percent way Uh, And I just felt like that seemed misleading. I mean, maybe I'll have one of their guys. I know one of their uh, scientists. Maybe I'll have him on on the show and ask him about that. But um, this is champion nutrition. So my son was thinking about getting on a heavyweight gainer, you know, uh, weight gainer powder. And I used to love the heavyweight gainer 900. Now, strangely almost, beef is the main protein source in that powder, beef powder. Um, And I don't know if that's the way it was back when I took it. It might have been. But let me read – this is the what uh, the message I left them, and we'll see how they respond. Uh, I left the message, by the way, for Nettrition because I picked this up through Nettrition this time. But it says, guys, I just ordered Champion Nutrition Super Heavyweight Gainer 1200. So this is the 1200 version, even more, for my son, but the ingredients list that you show on the product page does not match what we were sent. I appreciate that product formulations can change. But the product we were sent has fructose as the first most prominent ingredient. Being a nutrition professor and a former competitive bodybuilder who understands labels and has some concerns about fructose, I think you should take a close look uh, at your product page. I'm sure my son will drink the product, and I'm sure it's delicious. But I think uh, we may have to shop locally from now on so we can actually buy products uh, after looking at the ingredients list. Uh, now, this is where this becomes a direct investigation. So I read online. Let me do this one at a time here. I get on um, Netrition and they have the different flavors, you know, vanilla, chocolate brownie, this and that. So this chocolate brownie one from Netrition, if you look at their ingredients page, the first ingredient, right? The ingredients list is in order of content, right? So it's a proprietary carbohydrate blend. And that's why I thought, oh, good. That's some nice, clean calories, you know, for my boy. It's got maltodextrin and that kind of stuff, and and then uh, there's a proprietary protein blend is number two, and, and then fructose is further down the list. So I went with it. What we got was uh, a product with fructose as the number one ingredient. Uh, I'm holding it in my hands. In fact, we're going to put a free um, little PDF file attached to this. If you get our uh, podcast box app uh through libsyn you can we can add extras and i'll show you these labels like for example if what we got looks like the one that the supplement facts that you see on allstarhealth.com uh, fructose is number one then the protein blend and the carb blend so instead of having that you know carbohydrate blend that was maltodextrin and some of the complex carbs it's fructose. Well, I'm not sure I would have bought it if fructose was the number one ingredient because there's some real pros and cons of fructose. But then the story gets even more convoluted. If you go to Amazon.com and you look up the super, super heavyweight gainer 1200, on that ingredients list, the first ingredient is their amino acid and protein blend. So it's a the protein comes first and then the fructose, I think, is second or third. So which is it? right? I mean, I can appreciate that formulas change, but this is the same, uh, seemingly the same product, which is heavyweight, super heavyweight gainer 1200. And on one site, it's a carb blend, complex carb blend is, is the most prominent ingredient. On another site, a protein blend, but what we got, it's fructose. And the reasons I have problems with fructose, a lot of people have heard me fuss about high fructose corn syrup, but Although it's a slow-acting carb, and this is why I think they include it in the blend, it's a low glycemic index carbs. It it does trickle into your bloodstream fairly slowly. But the problem is, amongst a lot of the carbohydrates, fructose is more fattening, for lack of a better word. I mean, I have some very disturbing studies where they fed fat-free meals of fructose, and they did blood draws repeatedly for a period of a couple hours, and their blood triglycerides went up like they just ate fried chicken. So your body turns excess fructose into triglycerides um, more so than some other carbs. It also tends to gum up it 's called glycation, uh, some of the cell machinery and that kind of thing it 's been linked to premature aging and you know there's several problems uh, with fructose so if it 's somewhere in that top five ingredients, I think I could probably deal with that. But when I buy something and again you this may happen to you listeners. I guess the take home message is. If you buy something online, caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware because what the ingredients list that's posted may not be what you get. And I know most people don't look at the ingredients list. You know, at the very most, they look at the sort of nutrition facts panel area where they're looking at the protein, carbs, and fats, and that's enough, you know. So they don't go and actually look at the order of the ingredients, but I do because I'm a nutrition nerd. And like I said, these are three different formulations because of the proportions that are in there, uh, under the same product name. So, uh, caution with that. Now, having said that, let's make this positive as possible. There's, there's some good things in these products though. There's healthy fat blends like uh, medium chain triglycerides. I think those have been grossly, uh, either overlooked or misunderstood, By a lot of people, Uh, if you're interested in my thoughts on that stuff, I I wrote a chapter. There's a NSCA, National Strength Conditioning Association, book on Essentials of Dietary Supplements, I think it was. But medium-chain triglycerides are great, Uh, and they'll put those in several different weight gainers. And, I mean, um, I'm pretty sure they're in muscle milk as well and other things. So some of these weight gainers are great. There's a multivitamin, multimineral mixed in, so you don't have to worry about fooling with that stuff. I mean, they're handy you drink calories it's a great way to pound calories you know and get hungry again as opposed to what i was saying earlier about like if i have a bucket of eggs and cheese i'm not going to want to eat for a while you know but you can slam a, a weight gainer drink make it with 2% or whole milk for even more calories and then you know you're hung you're still hungry again not that much later so there's a lot of advantages and i don't think it's a bad product i am just wary about that fructose stuff and the fact like i said that you can go to three different sites and get three different Um, Formulations as far as the proportions Of what's in it And uh, Rob you know as well as I do It's the same gripe I've had with creatine in the past I don't want to spend 50 bucks On a container of something That's almost entirely sugar You know that's mostly sugar I can have fun with with my sugar (laughs) So yeah. Anyway so that was my little uh, Investigation like I said For those of you who do uh, Get the podcast box app Uh, i'll put a little powerpoint sort of pdf on there so you could see some of the labels and whatnot but just sort of a i guess a consumer advocacy bit there Uh, last up uh we are almost out of t-shirts this will be the last thing i have to say we're doing that sort of social media and membership drive so if you can make five tweets become a supporting member or leave a review on itunes that's all you have to do and then contact rob through ironradio.org and he'll forward it to me and i'll send you one of these shirts but they are going fast so i just wanted to toss that out there that social media and membership drive that's going to end in september because we're going to start a different kind of um, drive probably our holiday drive in a couple of uh probably about eight weeks or so and I don't want to inundate people. You know, a lot of public radio kinds of places are always begging for money, and I don't want to come across like that. So get your t-shirt while they last. And <laughs> we'll see we'll yeah. see everybody next week. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters.